And yo, I mean, life, God, the universe blessed this endeavor and blessed people through that music. And I have to let you know, it, it was it was huge. The experience was huge. It was it was so huge that I had to step back from it. I realized that this album, it, it has life outside of me. Yes. You know what I mean? Beyond me. Yes. It's the people's music. Yes. It's the people's music. And then the MTV Unplugged came out. And it just got shat on. your thoughts about the audience's reaction tonight. A lot of the audience here expected, yes. you know, miss misrepresentation, a lot of stuff from your old album, and they were even shouting it. What do you have to say to those people who expected I, you the know old what, Lauren? I don't have anything to say. Um, I don't really have much to say. You know what I mean? I just know that I'm a, I'm a person. You know what I mean? And I don't know when I signed my life away to the expectations of people. I'm an artist, I have expression, you know what I mean? I do, let me not even say an artist, I, I'm expressing myself, I'm sharing, I'm sharing living life, living life experiences, living content. I was reading some reviews from 2002 when it came out and people were like, imagine being in a coffee shop and some woman comes up on stage and she looks like she's forgot that she had a show that day and she just starts preaching at you for hours. But through your lyrics, like for example, and it's, it's just like Walter, I think the name of the track is, you're taking a penetrative look with yourself. So are you then asking you, the audience? Do you not hear that the uh, that the entire song, every single song, every lyric is me, 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 my, me, me, I, me, my, my, I, me, me. So if you're offended, you have to ask yourself why when a woman is talking about herself. Why are you offended unless that may be relevant for you as well? It's me, my, I, Lauren, lost, hurt, depressed, repressed, confused, repressed, me, Lauren. But people are ready to kill me because I'm saying, you know, could it be that you had me as an idol? Could it be that I was a fictional person? Could it be that I was worshipped above measure? Could it be that I had God's place in your hearts? She gave us a lot in that. Raw. Stuff not tightened up. The chords. The people. The audience. She's in front of a bare audience. Asking them or or soliciting to them. Hey, I don't have a title for some of these songs. Y'all let me know what you think. And I'll consider that. A lot of these songs too, some of them, you know, they don't even really have titles yet. You know, so if you have any suggestions, just uh, you don't raise your hand. Cause many artists don't do that. We're so stuck on what we know to be true. We don't invite the larger masses or the mainstream or larger audiences to speak to us in terms of our vulnerabilities. They, they say such flagrant things. I realized that people don't, they never really knew the truth. When I was on top, they said, boy, that girl, she's got it going on. And people had no idea how repressed and upset and miserable and tormented 
and how I never got to do what I really wanted because I was too busy playing into the expectations of everybody, all the millions of fans, my mother, my father, my husband, my children. There was never a moment for me to be happy, to express real joy. So when you see me sit my ass down with a guitar and cry, I'm saying, thank God, my time, I'm getting yes! I'm Crystal Roberts. I'm Matt Linder. This is Flickers. Human condition, morals corrupted. Babylon's benefactors. Babylon system. What I love about the Bible are the parts where, you know, the Pharisees, they really want to say certain things, but they don't really want to reveal their motives. You get me? They really don't want to reveal how much they hate this man. You know, so they're trying to cover it. And we know that God or Jesus is just the truth. So what they really hated was the truth. They hated the truth. For Lauren, truth is love. Truth is freedom. Truth is God. Babylon, though, robs you of all three. Temiela Tati who was the co-writer for season five of the Dissect podcast, which focused on the spirituality of Kendrick Lamar's Dan album. He is going to show us how Lauren Hill on her Unplugged album took listeners on her journey and the journey of all humanity to break free of Babylon. I'm talking about myself. And of course, you know, the system of this world is just a reflection of man's self-image. Here's Femi. So a couple big things here. You see this idea of like the system, which is a big theme. And I think essentially the main kind of conflict or the main kind of antagonist in the story is the system. And a good concept to know is that Lauren during this time period is with Rohan Marley, who's the son of Bob Marley. So it's very influenced by reggae, the Marley family, and like Bob Marley himself and his music. Because we always thought we could get, you know, we could get reality by just putting on the clothes and wearing the face and, you know, looking hard in the video or, you know. <laughs> reality, it's like I would always talk to my husband. I said, look, you know, we look at Bob Marley, we say, okay, let's just grow locks and wear the clothes and have the band. And we have no idea how many years of struggle and pain and suffering that made that content. You see what I'm saying? You can't, you can't get it from the outside in. Truth is from the inside out, you know? And the way we've been trying to heal and be healed is with these topical, surface, superficial, temporary solution. And I'm telling you, true healing is, is, is from the inside out. You know, we've been told to protect our outer man while our inner man is dying. And there was a really famous song from Bob Marley called Babylon System, but it's actually a reference to the book of Revelation and the whole history of Babylon in the Bible. Babylon System is the vampire. Yeah. And it's saying all this stuff about like, that we refuse to be what you want us to be. You can't educate us for no equal opportunity. It talks about this idea of like lies and tell the children the truth. So it's all things about these themes of lies and Mr. Intentional validating lies. It's all kind of hinted at in this, this Babylon system. 
And I think that reference to the system is, I think, largely inspired by this particular song. song is one in a track entitled Mr. Intentional. And uh, it starts with this very often quoted uh, proverb of the road to hell is paved with good intentions. It's this really interesting thing about one, it's very spiritual from the very first line about this idea of kind of going to hell to this kind of fiery place of judgment. See the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Parable is supposed to be about this idea that people are often think that they're doing the right thing. I think they're doing good, but that is actually like predominantly how you get into this place of self-destructive pattern where you set the fire of your own destruction. So this is about people making her feel like that she's a victim, that they're talking to her, they're kind of somewhat condescending and passionizing her, as, as you'll see in this, the second verse, and like appealing to her, oh, we've helped you out. We've done all these things for you. And I think a lot of this is going to be in reference to a lot of what she kind of went through in terms of like mental health issues and like the press feeling that she needed help and that things are really wrong in her life. And they're kind of coming and telling her that she's a victim, that she's been through so much. The supporting industry is going to help you get this message across. I'm not interested in the, in the system helping me. How do you think you, how do you think that your message is likely to get across though? Because I don't know what, all of you are here with microphones in my face. Are you denouncing your past? Am I de denouncing my past? Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say that I didn't learn things from my past. I think every part of our lives, you know, experiential knowledge was supposed to be gained. So it was a part. It had to happen. You know, it had to happen for me to be here. And you'll see throughout the album this idea of victimhood, this idea of you're a hopeless victim is the first instance of it. She's really against being identified as a victim. And I think the reason why that is, is because if she identified herself as a victim, she doesn't acknowledge the ways in which her own actions have contributed to the situation she's currently in. And thus it prevents her from actually doing the things that would allow her to change and repent and to go in a better direction. I think that's part of, part of why she kind of highlights this like victim mentality that these people have actually helped to trap her in. And verse two, it talks about like, please don't patronize me, Mr. Intentional. And so people don't want to submit, they exalt themselves and then they fall down to the ground. And that's like essentially everybody, every single character does this throughout like most of the, of the Old Testament. And then you get to the story of Jesus and Jesus does the opposite is that he's actually exalted. He's at the state of God. He actually lowers himself and comes down into humanity's story. He submits himself to God to the point of death. And then God raises him up and resurrects him and lifts him up. And then he becomes king and then all people submit to him. And so it's this flipping of gravity uh, of turning up the direction. You know, but the thing about the bridges is they take a lot of abuse sometimes. Jesus obviously was the mediator between lost man and God's new covenant. And in order to do so, you know, he had to absorb all of the damage, you know, that had been sown in humanity up until his arrival. And so that ego and pride is going to be a big theme you'll see throughout it. And then the idea of like searching for things and supporting our paramour. Paramour is like an illicit lover. This idea of lover, like sexuality, adultery, is going to be a big thing even starting in the next track. And I think this is the first time we really get this idea of their, the need for freedom. And so definitely one of the themes, and I think the central theme of this entire album is freedom. And this idea that she's been emotionally held hostage by the system 
and by these people that are with good intention that are actually like paving the way for her to be stuck further into the system. You see all that and the, the system gets associated with money, counting all the money, exploitation, which relates to kind of money and to like the, the system and people that with good intentions are actually leading to exploitation and using and doing things in the name of love, either because they feel like they, they're saying they're doing it out of their own love or they're saying that, oh, because of however they define love, that Lauren should be able to do whatever she wants to do um, and invalidating these lies. Stuck in a system that seeks to suck your blood Held emotionally hostage by what everybody does Counting all the money that you give them just because Exploiting ignorance in the name of love Stop before you drop because The next song is a song called Adam Lives in Theory. From the start, she says that Adam, she's talking about all of humanity. And when I refer to Adam, I'm, I'm really speaking about all of humanity, you know, without exception of anybody, you know. And so when Lauren sings, like when she sings about Adam, this is about humanity. That, that is literally accurate to the story of the Bible because Adam literally means humanity. And so I think this kind of gets into this idea of theory and philosophy in this kind of Western way we tend to kind of look at the world. And it being this thing that is actually trapping people. I think that's part of why it's like the Adam living in theory. It's not actually real life. It's not a, the embodied world. I think this kind of leads to him being trapped, I think, is part of what's kind of going on there. So again, outward manifestations, hypocrisy, actually living in darkness and thinking that one's in the light, virtually real and commercially appealed to the lust of all the people where he lives. This goes on to like we talked about promotional, commercialism, money being this thing that is actually kind of leading and kind of like guiding him and leading him away the, the way and leading him towards lust, which is the kind of the first place in the actual lyrics you see kind of the sexuality theme kind of come with Adam. Virtually real and commercially appeal to the lust of all the people where you live. And lust being desire, things that, I mean, whether that be sexual or like material or like pleasure or money or food, it's all of those things. But normally in modern English, it refers to sexuality, which is a lead up to like the next section. So after Adam, you introduce to Eve, who, as you said, her name actually means life. So it talks about Eve was so naive, blinded by the pride and greed, wanting to be intellectual, drifting from the way she turned, she got turned down one day. And now she thinks that she's bisexual. Eve was so naive. So there's a lot going on here. One, the, the very first thing talking about the idea that Eve was, was naive. This goes into an ancient understanding of this story, the story of Adam and Eve in the garden, which is that in the ancient, particularly the Eastern understanding, Adam and Eve aren't perfect. They're not perfect. They're not actually fully mature. They're not like, they're not even immortal in and of themselves. They actually need God. They need to actually eat the fruit of life, the tree of, the tree of life to actually keep alive. So they're not perfect. They're not immortal in and of themselves. They actually are in this kind of moral infancy. They're like children where they have not actually experienced and known how to decide good from evil. They're actually just supposed to depend on God who is their father to be able to know good from evil. 
So the story is really about where do you get your wisdom? Where do you get your knowledge from? So what she's portraying, Ibram is actually an accurate portrayal of this ancient understanding of it, which is that she's in this moral infancy, that she's kind of in this naive state, which isn't bad, but it can be exploited, which we talked about exploitation earlier with Mr. Intentional. She says that she's blinded by the pride and greed. It actually says it out here directly. She's blinded. She can't see by the pride and deed. And again, blinded, again, is, is this idea of living in darkness. Of Again, like people turn toward from darkness, like not, not people turning away from the light and turning towards darkness. So you see that in her being blinded. Evil so And as you're going to see, the fact that she's, she's blind, she doesn't recognize that she's blind because she's going to try to make decisions based on her own eyes, even though she's blind and living in darkness. And it, it says because she's blinded by the pride and greed. Again, greed, lust, wanting more things, wanting to be intellectual. Wanting to be intellectual. So the thing she wants more than anything is actually to, is this knowledge, this wisdom to be understanding. And this is directly from the narrative from Genesis uh, 3 because um, what happens is the serpent comes and and says to her, hey, like, you know, you like what you like, oh, you're, I'm going to die. Line upon line, and precept upon precept, say goodbye to this decaying social system. Say goodbye to this decaying so- social system. And so this again goes back into social. I think the, I always heard this as sexual system. I know it's actually sexual or social, but I think that's part of it too. Is that it's this, again the Babylon system that I mentioned from Bob Marley. Again, is showing up this system that is that people that are bad with good intentions are coming and keeping people trapped in. And it's all revolved around sex, around commerce, around people being wise and, and philosophers in their own eyes. He wants to know how far we're going to go. If we love him, like he say he will, then he will try us. He wants to know how far we're willing to go. If we love him like we say we do, he'll try us. So here, try us, that gets into this idea of trying or testing which is like a reference to like metal and how metal, whenever you try to get pure gold, it kind of comes with all these impurities. What you have to do is use fire and you melt it down. And because things melt at different temperatures, the things that are impurities will melt and will rise to the surface and you skim it off. And then what you have left is pure gold. So being tried or being tested is, is this thing that happens in the story of Israel of them going through suffering or them going through things so that they would remove the impurities, the wickedness, the things that have come from them being part of the system them eating from this kind of tree and from them adopting these kind of ways of life, that's supposed to be separated by God's kind of like trials and things that they've kind of gone through. And it might be painful, which is why she said, don't slip into hopelessness. Once he's satisfied his love, he's not going to deny us, which is this idea that God will purify them so that he can actually be united with them so they can love them and so that he can actually accept them and that they won't be denied. And when they do that, it gets to the last verse where he says, and then assuming that we, we have like, he's purified us, he's tried us, and he's brought us back in, then he'll tell us what we're going to do now, where we're going to go now and what we're going to say now. So this goes from the questioning and trying to figure out themselves, like where are we going to go? At the end, he's going to be the one to tell us. After all that we've been through, after our bachelor's, he's going to be the one to tell us, like what are we going to do now and where are we going to go now and what we're going to say now. And that's going to lead us back into paradise. That I'm, I, you know, I, I hope if anybody's getting anything about what I'm talking to right now, I'm talking about ascension. You know, I'm talking about, you know, ascension from the natural world. You know, not the natural world, it's still here. We still live here, but we're talking about higher things. You know, I'm talking about, uh, you know, uh, the psychology of sin and the psychology of oppression. I'm not just simply talking about sin and oppression. You know what I mean? I'm talking about what is behind all this stuff. 
I'm talking about the root and the source of things. That's what I, I was desperately looking for the source. I went over here. Where is it over here? Is it over here? You know, just searching for life, for purpose, for understanding, you know, God. So play with the key of feet with freedom. This is one of the central tracks you have to look at because freedom is literally in the title. But it's actually interesting that in, there's, this, there's this paradox where you become free by giving yourself up, which is interesting. I think a lot of this is tied a lot, of, I think, into Jesus' teachings. And I think what it is is about, it's tied to the idea that everyone you know they're guilty and you lied. Everybody knows that they're guilty. Everybody knows that they've lied. Everybody knows that they're guilty. So giving yourself up in this context is actually, I think, letting people know what you've done wrong. It, it's about confessions of wrongdoings, of sins. And sin is just a biblical word for failure. So moral failures, still actually like letting people know your moral failures and not hiding them, not being a hypocrite anymore and letting God know one's kind of failures. She says, there's a war on the mind. And so I think what a lot, a lot of this gets into is a lot of the terminology that Paul uses particularly in like Ephesians 6, where he talks with the idea of like that we don't wrestle against um, flesh and blood, but of powers and principalities, the powers of darkness. It's the Babylon system that they're like wrestling in. Said it's freedom time. Yo, there's a war in the mind over territory for the dominion who will dominate the opinion, schisms and isms, keeping us in forms of religion. And so if you take that, that's Ephesians 6. There's another part in, in 2 Corinthians 10, which really mirrors it and gives another interesting details to this idea of spiritual warfare, as often referred to as the wrestle against the powers, the, he- the spiritual powers and the demonic evil spirits. In 2 Corinthians 10, like verse 3 through 6, what Paul, St. Paul writes there is, for though we walk in the flesh, so this is a life that is an animal-like life, one that's like led by one's desires, when, if we walk in our flesh or desires, we don't walk in them. We do not wage, wage battle according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not flesh. They're not things that are physical material that are things of desires, but they are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. And then he's like, okay, what are these four? What are you talking about? We destroy arguments and all arrogance or pride that has raised up itself up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ. And we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. So a lot of, if you read closely what he's talking about, this is what, this is Paul's kind of concept of spiritual, of spiritual warfare, this warfare between what is good and what is evil, between what is from God, what is spiritually evil. And these war against the demons, against the spiritual demons is like things that actually bring uncleanliness and destruction to people's lives. So we say, what is, it, what is that warfare like? It's actually, how do you fight against the warfare against demons, against spiritual evil? What you do is you destroy arguments and you take thoughts captive. Motives and thoughts. Rotating bodies, confusion of sound, negative imagery holding us down, social delusion, clearly constructed, human condition, morals corrupted, trapped in reaction, lawlessness, war, dissatisfaction from bowels to core, devil's technology, strategy four, Human mythologies, urban folklore, sick of psychology, counterfeit cure. Wicked theology robbing the poor. Scheme demonology mislead the pure, stricken strategically studying war. Light shone in darkness, image exposed. Few can see through the new emperor's clothes. 
Lustful, this hustle turns humans to hoes. When the blind lead the blind, just more trouble and woes. It's the mind that they chose, it's designed to stay closed. Standards of jokers, court just the logic, cyclic and cosmic from schoolyard to college. Primitive man in his civilized knowledge. System collapse and he still won't acknowledge. God is the savior. Studies behavior. Trying to fix the mixed mind that he gave you. Stiff-necked scholars on prescription meds. Wishing their problems was all in their heads. Moral dilemma. Pride at the root. Misguided from youth. Heart divided from truth. Egyptians and Grecians, spiritually dead, empirically led by the good gods in their heads. Motives and thoughts, industrial wealth, global economy in it for self. Heart full of madness, covered with kind, pleasure designed to take over your mind. Furnished in godliness, painted in good, this tainted priesthood's got real saints misunderstood. While classes and government set up the veil and cultivate minds for more mythical tales. Typical Hollywood, follies, good girl, while vice and corruption take over the world. Motives and thoughts. Check your motives and thoughts. Blind with the wickedness, deep in your heart. Modern day wickedness is all you've been taught. Lie to your neighbor so you get ahead. Modern day trickery is all you've been fed. Motives and thoughts. Check your motives and thoughts. So it's all about the mind. It's all about thoughts. It's all about systems. It's all about how people talk. It's how people relate to each other. It's about how people disguise their intention. It's all about these thoughts and this knowledge and this wisdom that is actually vain thoughts and information that people have used to like build up their own logic about how they should do and what are we going to do now? What are we going to say now? Like, how do you respond to what's going on in the world? And they're saying that to actually do spiritual warfare, you actually need to actually destroy those arguments and to like take those thoughts and make them obedient to Christ, to the anointed king. It's a, it's a whole imagery of, of Jesus being this conquering king that is going to make like thoughts of his people actually obedient to Christ and not, want, not obedient to the Satan, to the evil one, to the system to like serving what is like this, like this decaying system. When he grants us the privilege of sharing his understanding and his perspective, we then adapt the mind of Christ and we start looking at the world the same way. Later on, he talks about appalling calling religious some program on television. How, how can dominant, dominant wisdom be recognized in the system? Again, the Babylon system, the search for wisdom and understanding, be recognized in the system of the Antichrist the majority rules, intelligent fools, PhDs in illusion, masters of confusion, bachelors in past illusion, right? So what a it's bar. All, it's so <laughs> bars, that them bars, man. Yeah. <laughs> Calling religious a program on television. How can dominant wisdom be recognized in a system of antichrists and majority rules, intelligent fools? PhDs in illusion, masters of mass confusion, bachelors of past illusion. Now who you choose? What are they talking about? This, the it's all the about tail, the search of wisdom. Are we going to, he's going, going to tell us, right? Like he's going to be willing to teach us. Forget everything you know. Forget what you've learned in your PhDs and like your master's, in your master's degrees and your bachelor's degrees. All those degrees, they're actually leading you away. They're teaching you this worldly, earthly wisdom. That's not the wisdom of God. That's not his wisdom. And you might think, oh, well, but look, it's like, this is PhDs. They're like really vaulted. They're really bad in our society. And she's like, look, you live in the system of the Antichrist, in the Babylon system. And here, Antichrist, this is referenced a couple of times. John, 1 John 2, it talks about children. This is at the last hour. And this is verse 18. As you've heard, the Antichrist, the one who is against the anointed one, the one, the spirits that are fighting against the, the anointed one, against Jesus. So what she's saying is that all of this, the system, these things that have been set up are actually causing people to fail and actually keeping one third of us in jail. She was in jail because, uh, at Danbury, because of tax evasion. evasion. 
And really that's sad because she didn't really handle her taxes. So although she's supposed to be responsible for the people that are handling it, in many ways she thought that her business was being handled and it wasn't. So <laughs> Lauren and I did time together. We did 90 days together in um, Danbury Federal Prison Camp. And that encounter changed my life. So mm. I was cool with the counselor who took her in and she assigned Lauren to me. So Lauren didn't even deal with any of the prisoners for the whole time she was there. I was the only person that she dealt with. Okay. So for day in and day out for 90 days, and it might not seem like a long time, but in prison, when you spend every That's waking hour with someone, it's, it becomes a long time. This idea of like the system things going on is actually what's leading us to having all of be prison, actually, actually in prison, actually behind bars and like physical prisons here. And there needs to be this kind of freedom which is like Jesus. Conferences at Yale, discussing doctrines of bail, causing people to fail, keeping the third in jail. So it's there's kind of like theme that you kind of see there in terms of people being like stuck in jail and being freed. And it's the overall theme of freedom time. And to be honest with you, she's probably one of the most prolific um, spiritual people that I've ever met in my whole mm. entire life. And that. so for me, I was in a weary state at the time. I had already done five years when Lauren came in. So I had giving up a lot of my hopes and my dreams. So it was actually Lauren coming into the prison, speaking life into me, wow. telling me who I was, telling me what I'm doing with y'all today that I would be doing that mm. and giving me hope. So my whole movement that I start, started behind bars is because of Lauren Nicole Hill. Wow. You yes. feel me? What you start seeing is it's all about, remember all the way back to Mr. Intentional about promotional, this idea of commerce and money. The Babylon system is like, what you start seeing is that it's this thing that is closely tied to commerce, to the market, to like to exploitation, to people making money, to people trying to buy goods and try to satisfy their desires for wealth and their desires for like comforts and pleasure. When there's some restoration, some accountability, you know, and I'm free to do what it is that makes me happy, you know, and, and I don't have a thumb on my head, you know, purposely trying to both oppress, repress and exploit, you know, my ideas without necessarily allowing me the full range of my expression. Some might say it's the thumb of commercialism, capitalism. You know, there have been a lot of people's thumbs have, have been that thumb. At one point, that was a Fuji thumb. You know, at another point, it was a record company thumb. You know, at other parts, it was the, the people who were around me. I mean, I'm sure you ever hear the old uh, stories of the master-slave paradigm where, you know, the slave says, uh, you know, my slaves love me. And I got some great slaves. You know, it's kind of, to me, the same type of sick relationship that, or the sick dynamic that takes place, place in rape. I wasn't eight years old, but I was probably around 16, 17 when I really started to make it, started to make some choices. Around 17, 18, 19, people started availing themselves to me to do certain things. And what happened was dependence was sown. Hey, you need one of those. 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 And you need one of those plus one of those, one of, you know. And it's the way that people can control and manipulate a young mind that has no idea what it really needs at that point. You know, but it's told you need one of those. Oh my God, you need one of those. You need one of those. You know, it's really the shame of the world, but um, it happens often. And then you have these children who become the possessions of these sort of corporate entity slash monsters without the emotional maturity to really be the head that they are. You know, they are the brainchild, but emotionally they're still young and people exploit that youth. That happened to me. It's all about that mentality. And it's through that that you get oppression, you get slavery, you get wars, you get all these things. And Babylon is this place of like, where there's like wisdom, where there's philosophers, where people can go and like get the things they want, where they can get their nice things. 
what she's doing is she's comparing that to the modern day. What we see, we live in this life of comfort. We have the access to things and we are often swept up in that by own comforts of whatever that may be of that lead us to our own pride, lead us to our own like pleasures and things like that. It's a vision of what happens if like a whole system like that falls apart. You know, ascension, ascension. And when we ascend our own flesh perspective, you know, solutions will be readily available to us and we'll start realizing that we are in our own way. That solution is available and that when you know that there are problems, problems that are persisting, there are problems in perspective, problems in worship, problems in obedience. You know, I mean, with all the wealth in the world, you know, the fact that poverty exists, that someone is not operating in faith. Someone is in absolute fear, you know, self-preservation. And it's something that will attack and murder all of us. And then people are weeping because, oh, we now we can't get all like the gold and the silver and the nice electrical meats that we had before or whatever that might be for us in our modern day, whether that be like shoes or, or clothing or whatever that might be for us. And that's what this kind of analogy is with the Babylon system. All this gold and things, it leads to idolatry, to the worship of wealth, to money, to pleasures, which is why often in the Bible, you'll see that like idolatry is often portrayed as adultery, as betraying the relationship to God, particularly of the Israelites. And it's also like the imagery and like terminology of adultery is often used to refer to idolatry. And so here you actually can see that all the way into atomism and theory and everything. That's also this parallelism to like idolatry and serving other gods and being part of this Babylon system that is actually leading to like social oppression and like leading people away from God and distracting them with these things that are temporal and these things that are like feeding their own like lusts. Again, validating these lies and keeping people on this like road that leading to the, the destructive Valley of Hinnom. An invisible war, preoccupied with a shadow, making love with a whore, aching the sores, Babylon the great mystery, mother of human history, system of social sorcery. Our present condition needs serious recognition. Where there's no repentance, there can be no remission. And that sentence more serious than Vietnam, the atom bomb in Saddam and Minister Farrakhan. That is What's also going? why, like, she's like, get free, where the idea from the very beginning, this freedom time, when the hook ends, like, it's freedom time, like, we need to get free. All of that is this idea of that you need, to give, you need to repent of being part of this Babylon system. It's like we all think that the gospel is join a church building, and, and that's deception, you know? The real gospel is repent, which means let go of all that crap that's killing you. Life was supposed to be a, a pleasurable experience, not this, uh, this torment. Get free, be who you're supposed to be. There's other songs later on, like, you know, Water, which we've kind of seen already, this cleansing motif. It's just like the water. I felt this way in I just want you around. Is really about returning to that relationship with God and God and realizing that like one has gone away from it. And so this repentance is coming back. I just want you around. I just want you around. I got to find peace of mind. Um, Jesus is referred to later on as like our peace. He's that peace of mind. I got to find peace of mind. He says it's impossible, but I know it's possible. The mystery of iniquity. We talk about inequality, the mystery of Babylon. It's the mystery of iniquity. Said it's the misery of 
Here I get out, which is again all about getting out of like Babylon system. I get out. I get out of all your boxes. I get out. You can't hold me in these chains. I'll get out. And then after all that, it lands at the very end in this um, song, which is the conquering lion. The conquering So this conquering lion is very clearly a reference to Jesus. Where that comes from is uh, a few things. So Jesus is particularly in, we mentioned the book of Revelation in terms of Babylon and like other things going on and some things that, that John says. So one is he's referred to as the lion of Judah is one term that's used in the, Revel- in the Revelation. That is in Revelations 5. John the evangelist sees his vision and he sees um, someone who's sat on a throne and the scroll, it's the image of God sitting on the throne. In the garden, right? They're like, what are we gonna do now? Let's sew, like, let's sew the fig leaves together to clothe ourselves. But now they're clothed in these white garments. They actually have things that actually probably cover themselves and they're glorious and they're shining. I mean, they're purified, they're cleansed, right? And then the message to the church of Philadelphia says, it's the one overcomes, I will, I will make him a pillar in the temple of God and he will not go out from it anymore. I will write my name, the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and in my new name. So again, the theme of names writing down and being tied to Jerusalem, this new Jerusalem, this new system that is opposed to the Babylon. So you have this Jerusalem versus Babylon dichotomy here and being made a pillar of the temple. That means that they're being made part of the temple, which you have to be purified and cleansed to be part of the temple. All Jerusalem was not home for wickedness that thou mayest be saved So the only way to not join Babylon is actually to humble oneself, to actually become like the ground. And this word goes all the way back to humans being created from the ground, is that they are actually supposed to be humble, be like the ground. That's why, it's even you guys see this in English, because in English, the root of humble is humus, which is means like fertile soil. The fruit is justice and righteousness. It's just living. It's not, it's equality. It's justice. It's like doing things that actually... Um, lift up the vulnerable and create equality and actually provide what is needed for all people. And that is, it's humble and it, and it recognizes God as a king above all. But that, that was my origin. My origin was much uh, broader and much greater and, and far beyond my physical location at the time. You know, um, the joke that we would say to ourselves was I was a queen born in public school, you know, in that, uh, the desire to identify with, you know, the majestic nature of God, you know, and not just a need to uh, assimilate oneself for the, for the purpose of, you know, look at my new car, you know what I'm saying? Or look at how I've brought myself up in the world, you know, no, it's not enough for me. I want to be, I want to be righteous. You know, I want to know what righteousness is. And as a young girl, I mean, even in the beginning of your career, I was constantly trying to identify myself with the rest of the world. I am like everybody else. I am normal. And it took me a long time to accept that, no, that's not actually true. Because if I was like everybody else, then everybody else would be doing what I'm doing. Why am I in a position to feed? Why am I in a position to teach? Why am I in a position to share? If I'm like everybody else, then, then it makes this office moot. 
And I had to accept that reality and then challenge all of the people who were vehicles in my life to try to say, you know, you know, you're just like everybody else. You know, who do you think you are? And I said, I don't think I'm anybody, but I do have this perspective. And I didn't give it to myself. And so this idea of the conquering, conquering is a different way to translate that word, either conquering or overcoming. It's about Jesus being conquering in that way, conquering through his death, conquering through his humility, conquering through being the source of life for other people and joining God and conquering by repenting, changing the way of their thought, following Jesus' commandments, living in this way of humility and not pride and speaking and understanding God's word and doing it and doing the things that are going to bring forth justice and righteousness for people and not living according to the ways of the current system. And actually that's how they overcome Babylon. That's how they overcome the system. That's how they overcome the world system, the world as it is the cosmos system, the Babylon system is through these acts of self-sacrificial love, through forgiveness, through love, and through following God's, like Jesus' teachings and recognizing him as the king. You know, and when you are here to help the world, you absorb a huge amount of negative energy and abuse because people have been abused. That's why I said that I've been abused, but I still have a certain amount of compassion for even the people who've abused me because I know that they were abused first. The only difference between me then and me now is I understand you have compassion on the man's mind after you disarm him and bring him to the ground and make sure his hands are behind his back. Because if not, he'll hurt you. And I've been hurt several times over by people who have been operating out of fear. I had a song lyric once that said uh, the solution. It's called indecision. It says the solution is in the room past the door marked with a sign. Don't open up. Someone like me, when I see opportunity to learn higher wisdom, You know, I just don't take those things for granted because you never know what could happen or what could not happen. And that's where he says, the conquering lion shall break every chain. The conquering lion shall break every chain. The conquering lion shall break. As part of his breaking is him, is this idea of him defeating all spiritual evil. And then also this idea of breaking every chain is, is also something, one of the prophecies of, about the Messiah, uh, about the anointed one is from Isaiah 61. And so this just repeats again, the conquering lion shall break every chain. These are the chains that are been Lauren's life on lives of those that she loves and she's seen on historically, but she's trying to say, hey, people, you should get free. Give him the victory again and again and again. Give him the victory. And she just repeats that. The conquering lion shall break every chain. He's going to break all of those chains. And towards the end, she gets really emotional as she's singing it. And she's like, he's going to break every one of those chains if you just let him. And this is plead, like, give him the victory. Give him the victory. Has this kind of, he has the outro where she talks about how she like she like recognized all, all this. She started confessing of things she did in her past and things. 
and that there's all this repression of things going on. I started to really understand what this was all about. I just went to my, my parents and I just started confessing about stuff I did like in the second grade. Seriously, but we don't know how all that stuff from the time with kids, man. All that repression, all that stuff just holding you, you know, stuff out. I, talking about boys feeling my booty in the second grade. I mean, I'm telling and, 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 and ashamed of that, you know? You know, and we think that that's God. We think that's God telling us, feel guilty. Kind of saying, get free. Confess, man. Understand that, look, everybody's going through the same stuff, same issues. It's just a bunch of repression. And I'm saying, man, life is too, it's too valuable, man, for us to sit here in these boxes all repressed, you know, afraid to admit what we're really going through. You know what I'm saying? And to doing that, that she like found freedom. So she's like, it's freedom time. It's freedom time. Get free. Get free. It's freedom time. Freedom, freedom time, y'all. Freedom time, y'all. Freedom time. Get free. It's, like, it's this story that she's trying to tell, which when you dig into it, it, it's really the biblical story from Genesis to the revelation. It is, it's retelling the biblical story. That's what this album is doing. And it's what she's seen in her own life her own experiences and how it changed how she prioritized what she did. This album is hard to understand for a lot of people is that it's just so dense of things and so much went through it and wouldn't fit just like a normal, like kind of poppy hip hop thing. It, she just wrote it all out. But it, it's like really her story. And it's the story of the Bible, really. That's just told in this long poetic form over some like old guitars some bars. Judgment has come, find it and return to the one, abandon the flesh, self-interest, Broadway to death, pride and the greed, hiding, subdividing the seed, the knowledge of good and evil is what caused us to lie, caused us to die, let your emotions be crucified, renounce all your thoughts, repent and let your mind be retort, you find what you sought was based on the deception you bought, a perception of naught where the majority remains caught, loving a lie, not realizing an atom or die, loving a lie, not realizing an atom or die, loving a lie, not realizing an atom or die, loving a lie, not realizing an atom or die. It's the mystery of iniquity. That is the history of iniquity. Wow. I see the story here. You know, I remember listening to Lauren in an interview where she said traditionally, artists have usually been the ones that set outside of society to show society itself. Mm. And there's this, this parallel between the artist and the prophet who tells the story of life, tells the story of humanity, or the human condition. So what's interesting about what Femi explained in regards to the Unplugged album being a modern version of the biblical narrative, but through Lauren's life, she operated on that album specifically in an office similar to prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, or Daniel. Mm. And I want to be clear, not that I'm putting Lauren on the level of those prophets, but I bring them up only, I guess, in the context of what she offered, the content she offered on that album. And then what we saw in its aftermath. Like if we just think about the entire scene, the delivery of the Unplugged album, and then the public's response to it. The entire album was like a prophet prophesying into the wind while people shook their fists at her in anger and resentment for what she was saying. Yeah. It's the same sort of treatment we saw (laughs) prophets get when they proclaimed God's word. So as Femi goes song by song, showing how Lauren is telling the story of the Bible, 
I thought to myself, of course it would have played out this way. She had absorbed the words of the Bible and then attempted to share with us what she came to understand. And since she saw others going through the same things that she was, she offered those solutions to us to overcome Babylon, as Femi pointed out. And as she said in another place, I think in Freedom Time, where she said, everything else be damned. Let them with it, them with ears understand. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what happened. It happened with her, and it happened in the same Bible <laughs> that <laughs> right. she was so that yeah. was so ingrained in her. So you know, some understood what she was trying to say, and some didn't. I mean, I think the reviews made that clear. Oh, hundred percent. The reviews made that very clear that it was so misunderstood at the time. But over time, like people have reassessed it and have come to better appreciate what she was doing there on that stage. Definitely. With her using her pro- prophetic voice in that moment. And I, I want to go back to what you said at the very beginning about the story. I had never even thought of this album as a whole narrative telling mm-hmm. just the story of creation and sin and redemption and recreation. And that was just a super interesting angle. And hearing Femi walk through that, I'm like, okay, I see this, I hear this, and I see how she's progressing through this story of redemption and the Bible on this album. That's not something I'd ever consider because the album is just so loose (laughs) in so many ways that it's like, oh, I don't think she was thinking on that level to, but I, I feel pretty convinced of what (laughs) Femi has put forth here. Mm -hmm. Cause, cause I always took it as she says near the beginning of us that these songs are about me and me first. Which is, is definitely, but she also then blurs the line on things when she speaks about Adam wasn't there any. Right. And says, yeah, this, I'm talking about me, but I'm also talking about everyone <laughs> at the same time. So she goes from, these are very personal songs about me and my life, but then expands them out to be, well, these are stories that are probably similar to stories you've experienced. And beyond that, it's the story of the Bible and of God and this universe on this album, how Femi drew in Babylon System by Bob Marley and put the the contrast between Babylon and Zion throughout the, the album and Babylon about all the oppression that happens in the world is tied to Babylon and that all the things that are good are tied to Zion. And throughout the album, it's just talking about her confronting Babylon over and over again. How at the end of the album, it returns it back to Jesus and that he's the one that conquers Babylon as the conquering lion, which that song is not Lauren's own song. It's a cover of Bob Marley, Lion of Judah. Right. And if you actually watch the unplugged performance, on that song, Rohan Marley joins with her and he's playing on the Congos along with her. And so that really ties in 
the Rastafarian elements of Lauren's spiritual history, as well as being with Rohan and the influence she had from him there with her own Christianity that she grew up. And then doing it through a cover song of Rohan's father. That's, you know, how probably most people around the world ever heard of Rastafarianism. So it's just very interesting intermixing at the end that brings in all these ideas of Babylon and Zion and conquering lion and Jesus and like mixes them up into this one like beautiful whole thing that's pulling from the Bible and pulling from Rastafarianism and just showing this really very cool picture of all the spiritual influences that happen in Lauren's music. The story of Lauren Hill is complicated, but it's also simple. She received an abundance of love at home. She wanted to give that love to the world, but she found out that love isn't automatic in life or in romantic relationships. She lost herself in romantic love and in her music. She realized her error and broke free personally and in her music career. But she went on a crusade to love and to express freely. And she's been willing to help others to confront systems of oppression because that to her is love, is the work of God. Flickers is produced, edited, and scripted by me, Crystal Roberts, and me, Matt Linder. Engineering, mixing, and sound design by Matt Linder. Theme music by Julius Tunstall. Cover art by Paper Cut Prayers. Additional music from Yawns, FND Guitar, Beats by Hope, and Abosioti. Join our Good Pods group for a conversation about this season. Search for Flickers S2 under Groups or find the link in the show notes. In what way has Lauren's music informed your spirituality? We'd love to hear your story and your review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, or Good Pods. We'll be back next week with Unreleased, What You Haven't Heard. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.